Hello and welcome back to the Breakdown Podcast here on BS Rugby. On this week's edition, I was joined by Rob Hammerschmidt from the Fantastic Rugby Rants Podcast. With the USA hosting New Zealand this weekend, I thought it'd be fascinating to get his thoughts on how the growth of rugby in the US is going, the emergence of Major League Rugby and how that is boosting the sport. We did a fantastic chat as well about Canada's failure to qualify for the Rugby World Cup in 2023. And of course, we previewed this weekend's game against the All Blacks. Could the USA create a major shock across the rugby world? Before we get into it, of course, as it is the All Blacks, we have to talk about the tragic death that was Sean Wainui. I hope I'm saying that right. I apologise if I don't get it right. Uh, he unfortunately uh, passed away earlier this week uh, in a car crash. Only 25 years old. I played for the Maui All Blacks 10 times for them and 44 Super Rugby appearances for the Waikato Chiefs. So my thoughts and prayers go out to his family, his friends and those impacted by this. And I hope that this weekend will be a fitting tribute to him as a player and as a person. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to leave a like, subscribe and get your thoughts in the comments down below. You can also listen on Spotify. There'll be a link in the description to check that out. If you are listening on there, please do give us a rating and follow us as well. Enjoy the episode. Say rugby then facing the All Blacks. I'm joined by Rob the Hammer, Hammerschmidt, host of the Rugby Run podcast. How are you doing, mate? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you, sir, for having me on again. It's always a pleasure. I mean, you're one of the reasons I got involved in, in podcasting. No, it's a pleasure to have you on as always. Um, let's have a talk then about the USA right now, because many people across the globe wouldn't often watch the USA or watch Major League Rugby, which we'll get into in a little bit. The most recent memory, I think, for most fans would be the 2019 Rugby World Cup, which, for being honest, was a bit of a shambles. Uh, for the USA, losing all four games and some winnable games you felt in that group. Uh, what would you say the process has been since then? Because we had the bankruptcy situation. Gary Gold is still in charge. Um, what do you make of the situation? What's the process been like over the past two years? A lot of people want to simplify the process, simplify the problem. But I think it's a very, very deep issue. And there are a lot of positives to take away a lot. Of, uh, uh, and some negatives are things that have to be addressed, obviously. I think one of the things we have to keep in mind, and Gary Gold was had only come into the team, I think, within a year of the 2019 World Cup. So he hadn't really been able to put a stamp on who he wanted to play, uh, how the team should play. Uh, and, you know, and, and um, you know, how he wanted to match up about various uh, with various teams. Uh, 2019 was a disappointment for sure. I mean, um, you know, we had the, the, the interesting thing is if you look at those games, there were quite a few games which we were keeping the scoreline fairly tight within the first half. But then they got those scorelines got opened up in the second half. So I think if I look beyond 2019, one of the things that I'm identifying as a fan and somebody who follows USA rugby very closely is I want to see the USA be able to hang it a little bit more tightly in the second half. Um, and one of the reasons that, that I see that as a barometer is because of the major league rugby, major league rugby and USA rugby have worked very closely together. I think MLR has picked up um, the mantelpiece for some of the areas where USA um, some of the areas where we thought they should be doing the yeoman's work. 
uh, but the MLR has picked up that mantelpiece. And I think one of the big benefits of the MLR is obviously, you know, all, all the 32, 33 men roster are professional. So we only have about five guys that are not playing in the United States. All those other guys are playing in MLR rosters. And so, you know, that wasn't true in 2019. So I think looking at it 2023 and beyond, that's one of the things that we have to be a bit excited about is that we should have more depth. Now, when you have a front row coming in, you have a front row that is a professional front row. Uh, you have some back rowers where you can say, hey, the talent really hasn't dropped off all that much. Uh, and therefore, you should be able to say, hey, anything after 45, 50 minutes, those guys should be able to keep a scoreline fairly close. Um, yes, it was a B-side England, you know, in July, but I think we saw that um, in July with England. Now it's just about consistency, and that's where at the national team level I'd like to see them improve is, is close that gap more consistently um, and win the games they should win like they should have won that second uh, Uruguay. Yeah, I think it's a, an interesting situation for the USA. You know, I remember that game against England in the World Cup, especially, and, you know, there's a red card pretty early on in the game. Yeah. Uh, so there's lots of uh, mitigating factors in there. You mentioned MLR, and I remember talking to you early on in the process of MLR and the whole idea of Major League Rugby coming on. And I think both of us are very, very happy to say that it's been a tremendous success and we've seen fans buy into it. We've seen uh, so uh, some new teams come in. We've seen a team go, we've seen a team come in, new fans. It's been a roaring success, hasn't it? What do you think that's been down to? Why has it been so successful? Well, I think one of the uh, earmarks is the thing I pointed to earlier, provides a level of professionalism for all the all the individuals that are in the eagle pool, and it provides a clear pathway for those that want to get into that eagle pool. Now it's not just, you know, when you reel back to 30 years when I was playing rugby, if you didn't play for Cal, you were unlikely to be selected, or if you were, it was going to be a pretty, you'd really have to catch the right eyes at the right time. Uh, the ITTs or the territorials were one of the ways to do that. Um, now that's not the case. I think you have, um, you know, guys are getting their opportunities, they're getting their looks, and obviously there's developmental sides uh, with most of the MLR teams in which individuals can even there's open tryouts. Individuals can go in those open tryouts and cut their uh, teeth, so to speak, and develop and, and improve. I think you're seeing some collegiate programs become not professional in the in the truest sense of the term, but they have setups where they're training five days a week. They have a weights program. They have a physio. They're they're you know like uh, at at Lindenwood and Life. They have GPS. Um, they're they're working with uh, Jimmy Harrison, for example, is uh, is involved with the USA program, and he does a lot of the the matrix and the and and looks at GPS and crunches a lot of the numbers. And and he's actually working with Lindenwood's program on a on a part time basis. So they're they're doing film analysis. Um, so th in that respect, I think you're seeing the. The, the gap close with the MLR, the ability for that gap between professionalism and, you know, amateur and professional, uh, sorry, amateur and, um, um, you know, uh, university club athletics close quite a bit. Um, but it is still, having said that, it's still a long way to go, I, but it's promising. And I think we have to, we have to um, take stock in that. Um, and I think you see the MLR really doing a nice job trying to promote youth rugby, get their clubs to, spread the gospel of rugby um, and really try to encourage, encourage clubs to, you know, um, get more and more fans involved in the game or develop more fans um, through involvement of the game. So that's a good thing. Yeah, I think that was something I noticed uh, very early on in the, in the MLR was that we saw um, 
we saw the clubs really engaging with their fans, bringing their fans in, saying, you know, rugby's for everyone. doesn't matter if you don't fully understand the laws of the game or you understand the culture. It's okay. Come in, enjoy the feast that is rugby and enjoy being part of this growing new community. It's exciting. It's new. Uh, what did you make of the past season of MLR? We saw the LA Guiltinis when we did do a preview on the channel. Both you and Scott uh, pretty much backed them to go pretty far in this year's competition, considering the depth that they had. Adam Ashley Cooper, Matt Gitto, to name a few. Uh, what did you make of the season? Did you enjoy it or was it a good experience for you uh, as a New Orleans fan? How did you see it? <laughs> That's a multi-layered question, my man. Um, I, overall, MLR-wide, it was a great season. It was engaging. There were a lot of great storylines. Uh, there were some interesting challenges, obviously, with without a pre like a year in advance pre-planned uh, program for the July tests. That was kind of something that some of the teams and Nola Rooney, uh, let's see, I think Nola and Rooney were the two teams that were most heavily affected by the July tests. You know, those threw a curveball in it. And, and, and some teams adjustments and preparation uh, right there at the end of the uh, of the season when teams are really starting to uh, find their way into the playoff mix. Um, so so that was a challenge, but it, it made for some great drama. Uh, it made for some interesting stories um, and it was quite enjoyable. I think one of the things that we can come away with MLR wide uh, as well is the fact that George Kilbrew understands that in order for rugby to be successful in the United States and then for any sport to be for successful for that matter, it's just that most of them have had a head start. It's got to be a rugby tainment industry, right? I mean, you you look at the Super Bowl and it's not just about the Super Bowl. It's about the advertising, the new advertisers, the interesting and fun commercials. It's about the halftime spectacle. It's about the fireworks. It's about, you know, the the two weeks leading up and the interviews. It's about everything. And it just happens to be built around uh, a football game, you know, an American football game. I think rugby is the same way. And, and by the way, um, the LA Giltinis and uh, the Austin Gilgronis have led the league in that regard. You know, um, Steve Aoki coming and doing uh, the pregame and the postgame. Um, he's a huge DJ that gets a huge following nationwide, and I'm sure worldwide as well. Uh, not my style, but I get it. Um, you know, having somebody like that in the house. Uh, Austin working with the Austin Music Foundation uh, to having uh, musical events at every, um, at every match. Um, and, and then having the theme nights. Um, you know, uh, bringing in different groups like that, a college theme night for uh, for the Gilgronies where there was, you know, um, discounts on food and beverage and things like that and ticketing. So, you know, it's, again, it's, it's I think George has really emphasized this is more, if we want to be professional, we got to be m more than rugby. It's got to be something, uh, the entertainment's got to bring people in and then say, okay, and then here's a great game, by the way, that you can enjoy. Uh, on a micro level, um, it's hard to believe that Nola could go into the last six away games, win five of them, and still miss out on the playoffs. I mean, that was an absolute disappointment. I've had some conversations with Coach O and Coach Fitz, or sorry, uh, GM uh, Ryan Fitzgerald quite a bit. Um, I was just texting Coach uh, Ryan today about um, Kyle Bailey uh, going back up north of the Toronto Arrows. But um, I, I think everybody was massively disappointed. Uh, and we'll talk, I'm sure, about, 
2022 and what's in store. But, um, you know, if, if anybody's been paying attention to the league, they know NOLA is, is at least trying to address some of those concerns. But, yeah, a little bit disappointed for the goal that they missed out, especially with that good run. But, you know, it just proves a point that and, – and, again, the storylines, I guess, is one of the things you can point towards. Look, they lost to ATL by, what, one point at home. Um, and, and uh, you know, they, they didn't have somebody that could put that – uh, dropper in and and secure the victory and secure, you know, down the road, secure an opportunity to be in the playoffs. Uh, they lost to the Gil, Gil Gronies by, um, well, they lost by a try, but but they were ahead and, and lost just in the last couple minutes. So, you know, those are, yes, it's a loss for Nola. Yes, I was disappointed. Yes, I was throwing stuff across my, my house and uh, my dog was worried about me. My kids were worried about me. But ultimately, isn't that what we love about sport, right? I mean, that's why we watch. And sometimes we're on the winning end and sometimes we're on the losing end. But damn it, it brings us back. So, yeah, overall, love the season. Yeah, as an Ospreys fan, uh, when we played against the Sharks recently and we were shit. And let me tell you, there were things <laughs> being thrown across my uh, flat as well. Um, yeah, it wasn't a pretty, a pretty sight. Um, but yeah, I think MLR for me has really approached it the right way. And has gone from the start said this is how we're going to approach it this is how we're going to go about it and they've stuck to it they've stuck to their guns it's all about community bringing people in saying this is for everyone that's the beauty of rugby you know in football or soccer as you would say fans are separated in stadiums all the time but in rugby people sit together have a beer together you might lose but at the end you buy your mate a beer and say do you know what you won here's a beer on me and i think MLR has really got into that, really got into that community element. So as you said, 2022, what's it looking like ahead of that? Um, more j j just to continue to build upon what has been done already, or are there some more exciting plans on the way for MLR? Yeah, the answer is yes. I mean, all of it. All of it. Uh, there's been some interesting signings so far. I don't think by any stretch of the imagination those signings are done. Um, we can talk about and get into some of those if you like. Um, uh, there's going to be growth, obviously, in the immediacy. Dallas is coming into the league next year. Uh, we expect them to be in full boat. and They had their fair share of signings. Uh, a couple of those look pretty interesting, and they brought some guys back um, that were originally going to be with them, then were, were uh, picked up by other teams. Um, one of those guys I always like to talk about Bronson Tellis. Uh, he's a great kid, but, uh, he's, he's coming back to Dallas. Um, and there's a, a there's a couple other guys that are going to be back for Dallas that were originally supposed to be there. And then they picked up a few signings. Of course, you know, for, for the folks in the UK, Brian Ashton has come on board as a, as kind of a, um, a rugby consultant, um, I, you know, we saw this with Eddie Jones in the Legion last year. COVID, I think, kind of impacted that. But quite frankly, I will really be interested to see if what kind of impact that has or if or if we can actually have it see a tangible impact that somebody like that brings. Um, so we're going to have another team in the league. Hopefully we'll see um, some expansion after that to the Midwest. Uh, that remains to be seen. There's been a lot of chatter about it. Um, you know, what I don't know is what the league plans to do beyond um, you know, there's there's got to be a saturation point with only 10 foreign player spots uh, in the starting roster uh, or sorry, in your starting 23, game day 23. You know, there's got to be there's going to be a limit to 
the talent that's in the United States. So, you know, at least for some duration, will we see kind of a, a settling down of the expansion until we start to see the next generation of, of young ruggers come through and start to fill uh, the U.S.-based roster spots. So, um, you know, that's exciting and interesting. Um, and then it's going to be interesting to see where the league at the at the macro level, um, what they do with their sponsorship. They came through with some big sponsors with Geico, um, with Guaranteed Rate, with American Airlines, OBX, uh, Wintergreen. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how their corporate sponsorship goes. Um, I, and I'm excited about the rugby network. It's been, you know, uh, rugby's been um, notorious worldwide for having a paywall. And it's been really nice uh, to see um, that we can at least watch our domestic sport um, free uh, and through our phones, through our tablets, through our computers or through Roku devices or whatever have you. So that's been real nice. And the rugby networks carried some, they carried the collegiate uh, sevens, which for American fans, I think there was a lot of enjoyment in that because it's not just about the MLR. It's about spreading the gospel of rugby in any way we can with any level we can. Yeah. I've been really impressed by the rugby network. Uh, I've been able to watch quite a few games over here. Uh, and catch quite a few games over the course of the season. It's free, something that with this Autumn Internationals here in the UK, uh, everything's going on Amazon Prime. It's behind a paywall. First time that's happened uh, for Welsh, uh, for, for Wales games anyway, um, that you'll have to pay to watch the game live. And let's move on to the USA then. So they've got quite an interesting game coming up this weekend, to say the least, yeah. against the All Blacks. I'm going to ask you a question. You can either answer it honestly, or you can uh, you can work your way around it. Is this really for rugby, or is it more for business? Do you think with this game, does it truly grow the game of rugby? Because it's going to create fanfare, but does it have a lasting impact on rugby in the USA? Do you think? I think the the answer is yes to both. I think part of it is a business opportunity. You know, interesting on the rugby rant, we had one of our. Um, one of our common ranters, come on, um, Daryl, uh, came on and we just recorded last night as, as of when we're going recording here. And, um, you know, he said it would have been great to see like a New Zealand play Wales in the United States and then have the United States play a curtain raiser against the Maori or against, you know, um, Romania or, or, or something of that nature. Um, and and while I, I on the rugby end agree it would have been pretty expensive to put something like that on because then you're paying for three unions to come here in the United States. And quite frankly, I just don't think they're going to get the economic benefit uh, that you would having just New Zealand. So I think there's an, there's a financial uh, benefit there, but, but truth be told, I, I, I think there truly is. I, the, the game is going to be grown through graft, through just hard work, and just putting your no nose to the grindstone and just working away and chiseling away at it. It's not going to be a spark. It's going to be a slow, it's going to be like water running through a Creek bed and just rounding out over time, those rocks, it's just going to take time. And quite frankly, um, you know, there was actually a Republican uh, uh, Senator from West Virginia that spoke yesterday on the floor of the Senate. He actually called attention to this match and invited all his, uh, his fellow colleagues to come to the game. And cause it's in DC go to the game and enjoy this international competition, kind of get outside the political fray, the political you know division that's in the United States and put your armor on your mate and come together and watch this wonderful game. So, you know, just simply getting on the political radar, uh, I think is a tick in the right box, right? But I think um, too, it's going to draw fans um, 
and that you wouldn't, again, normally get that come to watch the game. I mean, I can remember when the All Blacks came in both 2014 and 20, was it 2016? Um, I, there were people that went to the game that I've been friends with for years that, you know, aren't rugby people, but they went to the game anyway. And so anytime you have a name like the All Blacks, it's going to bring a, bring a level of panache, going to bring a level of interest, it's going to raise uh, attention to the game. And I think it's at a critical moment for the United States, for USAR and rugby in the United States, because you have the growth of a new professional league. In addition, of course, as of the recording today, the United States actually announced a North American bid for uh, the women's and men's World Cups, uh, either 2027 for the men or 2031, and of course the 20, uh, sorry, the 2029 women's. So you know, hopefully, all this positive energy will will see see some dividend, um, you know, here as we move forward in the next uh, 10 years. No, I agree with you. I think uh, it is a bit of both, isn't it? You know, it's a fantastic way to grow the game to get people involved in the sport who may not have been involved before. And we saw the success when Ireland came over and face the All Blacks uh, in Vegas, was it? I want to say it was in Vegas. No, no, Chicago. that was in Chicago. In Chicago, yeah, Soldier yeah. Field, wasn't it? And, uh, 2018, yeah. Because um, Ireland beat the All Blacks, didn't they, yeah. uh, quite late on in the game. And yeah. I think for the US, if they can combine MLR with this game and draw attention to it and make it a product that is uh, attractive to the consumers in the USA, because you would know the market of the USA a lot better than I would and what, uh, you know. Um, uh, yes. Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I just read an article that, um, you know, it's one of the fastest growing women's team sports in the United States. Uh, so it's growing in the women's segment. And I, and I think that's a segment that perhaps gets ignored, but needs to be, it needs to be acknowledged uh, because um, women who play rugby um, oftentimes later on in life, they have children and uh, they're, they, they tend to promote it as a sport. So um, that's, I think there's a rebound effect down the road. Um, I, I, I want to touch upon the fact that while the United States in all likely it has a hard road to hoe to beat the all blacks, no doubt about it. How else do you know what, what level you have to get to unless you test yourself every once in a while? And yes, it's, it's, it's an extremely hard test, but I, I think the benefit of this one is, is that you're going to be able to play some players, young players that, um, and give them something to focus on as uh, not only just an opportunity for now, but uh, to give them an idea of what they need to be working towards, right? They're not expected to win. So why not play an open style? Why not get some guys who young guys who can throw it around a little bit, who can generate some energy in the game plan and see what they can do and blood those guys against the best. Um, and that brings eyes to the sport in the United States. Um, uh, it, but again, it's going it, to the part of the problem in the United States is a you have, you know, four major sports that you're competing with. So, you know, the difficulty is when do you when do you insert a season? You don't want to compete with American football. Um, so you got to go someplace in the spring. So it's placed pretty well. Um, it's a, I mean, there's there's it's a tough sports market is tough in the United States because of all the competition. Um, so quite frankly, I think you just, uh, we need to keep working at it and, uh, geographical or big country. So it's, it's hard sometimes, uh, to, to get everybody on the same page and, and just at a, at a men's and women's club level, you know, when do you have the national championships? Well, here in Chicago, it's, you know, it could snow on Thanksgiving heavily. And so do you have them in the fall 
or, or do you have the national championships in the spring? Um, you know, it's, it, those are some of the difficulties, uh, other down in New Orleans, they're starting to play their club season in January. So it, it, it can make some cohesion across the country a little bit challenging. Um, but we got to find a ways to work through that and work around it. And I think we will. It just, again, takes hard work and time. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It's uh, it's all about a process of uh, of getting people in and creating that uh, generation after generation of buying into rugby, buying into the sports. And uh, as you said, it's going to take time. And, you know, that's the one thing USA uh, maybe struggles with compared to the UK, you know, I can get to London in four hours on a car, you know. I can get up to Glasgow in five hours in a car. And, and in the USA, that's just not an option. Um, you touched on it there, the bid for the World Cup. Now, I remember having you on the channel, it must have been over a year ago, and talking about, are the USA ready to host a Rugby World Cup? Well, all of a sudden, this has turned around pretty quickly, hasn't it? We now have an official bid going in uh, for the men's and for the women's game. How do you feel about that? Excited, nervous? Re are the USA ready for it? How are you feeling about it? So it, you got to be excited when you make a bid for the Rugby World Cup because it's going to at least put all eyes on the United States and, and potentially North America if, if Canada isn't on the bid uh, for that six or eight week time now that they're at potentially adding another uh, an, a, another kind of element or, or adding to the depth, shall we say, of, of those who are included. Uh, we could see it extended, I think, to what from six weeks to eight weeks, but nevertheless, uh, you got to be excited. Um, and you got to be excited because the, the women should be expected to do well. I mean, they'll, they'll get into the, into the knockout stage and, you know, they've been in the top five or six. And, and I think, uh, with some, uh, there's some women going and playing professionally in the UK, uh, Kate Zachary, who had her on the rugby ramp before and a, a few other women, I, I think that's gonna, that's gonna help them, um, perform better, just, you know, elevating the standard. Um, what does make me nervous is where the United States sits right now, because even though we're talking about whether or not the United States can qualify in 2023 and, and we need to, we need to go down and take care of business in Chile. Right. Uh, and even if we don't, we still have the repressage, which we can qualify and get through. So we kind of, um, it, it makes me nervous, but um, there, are, there's a couple different options and, and pathways there. The concern is, is if we turn out like Canada and don't make it right. If we don't qualify. So what you're really talking about is not qualifying in 2023. Um, then you, you know, you really got to think, for example, Canada really has to be introspective and look and see where they're at. And they really have to start the gears in motion for 2027. Um, and, you know, we know the bid is for 2027. So if you're not even if you're not even qualifying in the in the World Cup prior to when you're bidding, um, that makes me nervous. Um, I think they'll get the job done, but I think you really have to be realistic and and think like Japan did, which is okay. We're gonna uh, we've got to make our mark probably uh, one World Cup prior to the one we host, and we saw them actually beat South Africa in 2015 and kind of become a become a team that could could make an upset happen. And of course they delivered on the pitch um, in 20, you know, in 2019. So they did what they needed to do. And I think we need to be prepared for 2027. It, it, Cause I don't think we're going to get that bit. I think it's really going to be 2031. I think 2027 is going to go to Australia. And so I think in 2027, we need to be, be able to, well, in 2023, we need to win a match or two. And in 2027, we need to be able to knock 
knock on that door of, of potentially uh, being in the hunt to qualify. I don't know that we'll be at the point where we will, but it would be nice to see that we do. Um, so there's, I think, again, a lot of work to be done here. Yeah, I agree with you. I think if the USA can really, yeah, as you said, I think 2027 maybe is a little bit too soon. Again, Australia haven't had a World Cup since 2003. We're looking to build upon that, but there is a big mark in the USA. You mentioned about Canada. I know we're talking about the USA, but how big of a blow is this to Canadian rugby? Because it's a massive surprise, isn't it? First time that they won't be part of a Rugby World Cup. How big of an issue do you think this is uh, for Canadian rugby? Um, it's an it's an issue, no doubt. And I think what, yeah, and again, I'm not I'm not probably perhaps as close to this as some of the fans and friends that I have that are up north that have come on the rugby rent. Doug Wilkie is a great example. Uh, Derek Brissett. Um, you know, the thing I think f- that frustrates them is there's been some political dynamics that happened uh, right around the Olympics or just after the Olympics that really threw a, a, a mental wrench in the na- in, in the national view of the game. Um, I'm not going to get into that because I don't know much about the politics. I just know it caused a bunch of a little bit of an uproar. Did that have an impact on the national team? I don't know, but it, it certainly makes them reconsider what they're doing and how they're doing it. Some of their processes um, uh, beyond that, I think probably more frustrating to Canadian rugby fans or rugby Canada fans is I really thought that they would see a more net benefit to having the Toronto Arrows having 13 or 16 guys on their squad playing together throughout an MLR season and then going into the national team mix. Now, keep in mind that national team didn't have all its players available. Uh, those of that were on European duty weren't totally available, but still you would have think you would have thought that the continuity would have been there. And quite frankly, I thought that they they did that in, in St. John's in Canada. If, if you haven't gone back and have a chance to watch the game, I don't even know it's available, you know, on, on, you know, online or on any other networks. But when I watched the game, I mean, they demonstrated they had the continuity there. And then for some reason, the wheels fell off the apple cart uh, in, in Glendale and they just couldn't put it together. And certainly didn't come together any better when they played Chile. So um, it's, it's quite a worry. And I, I, you know, in some sense, I think um, they're going to have to go back and just whether they clean house or just do a top to bottom review of what they do and how they do it. Um, they're going to have to find a way to, to get a pathway going because it's the first time they've ever missed a World Cup. Yeah. I think it's massive for Canada missing out. Um, I mean, Chile have an opportunity to qualify, uh, which would be amazing for them. Obviously not against the USA. Let's hope Let's hope the USA uh, can get the job done there. Um, let's talk about the USA now then. They obviously have the All Blacks on the horizon. Um, let's focus on this game. The last seven games for the USA haven't really been um, amazing. Six losses, but you have played some pretty uh, tough teams, uh, losing against Ireland and England recently. Um, ahead of this game, where are you feeling about this uh, squad? As you said before, is it about, you know, this is an opportunity to grow the game or one opportunity for some of the youngsters to face the hacker, to uh, play against a team that I'm shitting myself as a Wales fan with the All Blacks coming because we're going to get battered. But it isn't a heck of an opportunity for the USA to say, hey, look at us, look what we can do. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the thing you got to, take pride in stocking as an American fan or a fan of the Eagles is they're putting their hand up. 
I mean, uh, let's face it, a lot of teams could, you know, a lot of people want to play, well, can't we just play, you know, uh, Romania or, you know, some other tier two teams? And that's no disrespect to Romania, but, um, you know, those are games in which we could be much more competitive, right? That's easy to do, but is it what you should always be doing? I mean, don't you always want to put your hand up and say, yeah, we'll do it. We'll, we'll take on the, one of the best teams, one of the top nations in the world and see if we can stand toe to toe. Um, what am I looking for out of the game? First of all, yeah, I don't care how you cut the cake. Um, they did a real nice rugby pass, did a real nice article. I referred to it in the rugby rant here that's coming out on uh, tomorrow night. Um, they did a prediction of who will be in the all-black squad. Now, I don't know how accurate they're going to be, but they made some predictions. And a lot of it was based upon guys that haven't played in, a, in quite some time coming into the fold and kind of seeing if they can, um, uh, you know, be in a position to, to make the team. Um you know, guys like Shannon Frizzell, guys like Dan Coles, guys like uh, Sam Whitelock, because he had a uh, his wife had a baby. Um, you know, um, Finley Christie has been out and hasn't really been a standard bearer at the nine position. Uh, uh, Hoskins, so so two two. Um, so, you know, some of those guys I mentioned are no slouches. You know, Sam Kane coming back from injury. I mean. He was, he was, you know, uh, the all black captain. Um, we can, we're likely to see him. Will Jordan um, and George Bridge have been mainstays over the course of the last 18 months within the, within the lineup. They've struggled with form, but, but hey, they're, they're tremendous players. So um, this is, this is going to be a very, very uh, tough match. Um, Richie Mwanga is coming back at fly off probably if one goes by this predicted team. I mean, you know, is there is there aside from Bowen Merritt, is there a more electric player in in world rugby right now? I mean, he has the ability to to um, do some amazing things uh, both with and without the ball. So uh, it's going to be tough. Um, what I'd like to see is I'd like to see a couple young guys either get a start or come in late. Uh, I've got uh, over my shoulder here. I've got Andrew Gara, uh, his jersey. Um, I'd like to see Andrew get uh, a. Uh, get the nod at the seven position. I'd like to see Ben Bonasso get in the mix because I think he could be a, a kind of a, as as Cam. My I love Cam Dolan. Cam's thirty one. He's not going to be able to be the standard bearer eight forever. Somebody's going to have to step up and fill his shoes. We know he does a tremendous job in the lineup in the lineout and really guides that lineout. So can we get a guy like uh, Ben Benji uh, to step in there and be that lineout captain and really drive them? Um, you know, but one of the big things. Who is going to be the person that steps in and covers the 10 position for AJ? AJ's been, he's he's been in and out of the lineup because of injury, and he does carries a load for sale, right? And so he his body takes some wear and tear. We need to find somebody that can control the ball and control the pace of the game at nine and at 10. Uh, and I I would like to see Gary Gold take a risk this weekend. I'd like them to see. Um, I'd like to see him put uh, a more uh, dynamic nine. Uh, Ruben does a great job at controlling the ball with the with the box kick and with his foot. Um, but I'd like to see somebody who gets that ball out quick to the to the uh, fly into the centers. Um, and then I'd like to see you know again uh, them find an option at ten um, that that is a threat to run with the ball as well as a threat to spring those centers loose because. I've always said a Bryce Campbell's a load at the center. If he finds an angle and gets a soft shoulder, um, he can he can go through, and then he's he has the ability to offload to you know um, 
to his teammates. And we've got uh, Lopete. This kid, I'm telling you, watch out for this kid at center. He is an American gem. He played tremendous against Canada, played tremendous against Uruguay. He was one of the bright spots for me. Pay attention to Laupete. Um, uh, he he's he's going to be in the MLR, but I think after next year, he will find his way someplace in Europe. He is that good. He is young. He is dynamic. And uh, we have a bright future if we could keep him in the mix for the next seven to eight years by the time we hit the World Cup, maybe the next 10 years. Yeah, I think uh, it's going to be a tough test, obviously, for the USA. And I think the big thing for me, the way you need to try and stop the All Blacks, if that's even possible, having watched them in the Rugby Championship, the thing that really impressed me with them is their speed of ball. The, the, the ability, they hit the breakdown, quick ball out, uh, plan, oh God, TJ, whatever his surname is, gets the ball, fries it out to Bowden Barrett or to Mwanga, and they're off. Audi Surveyor at six or seven, turns the ball over. They're at the breakdown, always offside like Richie McCaw, but uh, we won't get into that uh, too much. Um, but what do the USA need to get right on Saturday? Now, I, I'm going to be totally honest. I don't expect the USA to win the game. I don't think you'd expect that either. But what do the USA need to do in this game to make it competitive, at least to make it entertaining for the fans? Because speed of ball for the, for the All Blacks in the Rugby Championship has just been ridiculous. So what do the USA need to get right, do you think, to stand a chance in this game? I, I guess I don't look at it in that way. What I look at it is what can the USA do to sharpen their game, right? Because, it the, again, the, I, for me, this game is more about moving forward than the game in and of itself. Right. So I think um, for me on the offensive end, I would like to see us keep ball in hand. I would like us to develop our um, our structure uh, at the centers. I would like to see us spring our our wings and see our wings get uh, some touches on the ball. Again, Laupete at one of the centers can be devastating. See what he can do. We have a couple real good young dynamic wings, Christian Dyer, who, by the way, will be on the rugby rant here uh, upcoming in the next few weeks. Um, but he has some real promise. So get the ball out on offense. Uh, keep the ball in hand. Don't kick it away. Um, because, fr quite frankly, unless you put your, your wings are able to put pressure or your fullback is able to put pressure on the all-black backs when you kick it, they are going to sh run it back down your throat with time. Right. So why are you, why, if we start kicking to them, it's a mistake, right? We need to keep ball in hand. We need to play with the ball. If we kick it and we don't get pressure on them, they're going to run it back at us. And we know the All Blacks are devastating at counterattacking rugby, right? That transition from defense to offense. Um, that being said, um, I would like to see them put themselves into positions where they do have to transition a little bit, not necessarily with the box kick, maybe through grubber kicks, maybe through, you know, putting the ball into touch. And we know they like to go fast. You know, if given time, they like to get that ball back in um, quickly and then run it up. So how can get yourself organized, work on your defensive organization at the counter attack, um, because that's what they do well. So why not really focus on that as, as something to get right moving forward. Because if you can defend against the All Blacks when they're counterattacking and when they're in that transition uh, from defense to offense, um, then you can 
you can play that way. You can, uh, you know, um, resist that pressure against any team in the world if you get it right with the All Blacks. So that's what I would like to see some, it, it, just some improvement in those areas. Yeah, I think the uh, the All Blacks, as you said, in that transition, they're so good because I think the main thing for them is everyone is very comfortable on the ball. All the forwards, comfortable with ball in hand, know which pass to do. It's not about, oh, I'm a prop, I get the ball, I must go into contact, I must put my head down and just go into contact. Sometimes it's about, actually, look out, the fly half's behind me, 10 yards behind me, I'll spring it out to him and then he can play it through the backs. Um, I'm aware of time, so I'm going to ask you a quick couple of questions. What would be a successful game for the USA? What would make you think, all right, I can see something here, this is good. And how do you see the game going? Number one, they need to score. They need to score a try. I mean, for me, if they can score two tries, maybe take advantage of a couple uh, penalty opportunities. um, To me, that that would be a mark of success uh, because I don't know that they've ever scored a try against the All Blacks. So again, you got to start with baby steps. We can't expect them to put you know thirty points up against the All Blacks. Just let's get a couple tries. Let's take advantage of a couple penalty opportunities. I, I would like to, them to see it uh, a, a reasonable score within the first half. Uh, what is a reasonable score? If they can keep it twenty-five and still put a few points, you know, again to put some points up in the first half, but keep it within twenty-five points in the first half, I think that's, a, a, I think that's reasonable. Um, uh, mark of success, and and I'm not trying to diss my guys. Okay, any Cam, uh, Andrew, you guys are listening. Matt Harmon, I'm not dissing you guys, but we got to look at the history. We got to look at and be realistic. And I think those are realistic goals for the United States. Um, and then uh, get some, get a second level of player in there. And, and I don't, what I mean, let me rephrase that the finishers need to be true finishers. They can't be, uh, all right, what's our, what's our, our second next best player. I think what they have to develop is guys who are finishers. That's a devastating thing about New Zealand and about a lot of your first year countries, particularly New Zealand. So you can take a Bowden Barrett off at 10 and you can put in Richie Mwanga or vice versa. <laughs> okay. Uh, it, it's your, your one a and one a double a, Right. And that's what we need to develop. We need to develop strength and depth. And so if we can bring guys in, um, you know, at, at some particular positions that are able to provide that depth and, you, and there's not much of a drop off and they're still able to compete successfully. I think that's a third mark that I'd look to. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, keep the score respectable. But I think the big thing for the USA is discipline in this game. If they can keep their discipline and try and slow that ball down and the breakdown is going to be massive. It always is massive in a game but try and slow the ball down if you can. But, I mean, it's always going to be tough against New Zealand. We faced them uh, first game for our autumn internationals, and I'm shitting myself because we are definitely not ready uh, for that. Uh, finally, just before um, we finish, tell me a little bit about the Rugby Rant, about how it came about, uh, what you guys do, and where people can find you. So the Rugby Rant uh, came about because Ty, Scott, and I had nothing better to do during COVID. Uh, so... <laughs> We started it in, um, well, we've been at it for uh, about a year and a half. Uh, it's been growing successfully of, a, you know, about four or 5,000, you know, people that, that follow consistently. And then we've got a bunch of other people that, you know, watch, uh, uh and come back to us. Um, we do every week, we do, uh, an interview live with somebody significant. Um, as I said, we covered, 
Um, Abby Gastitis, who is married married to uh, Alex Corbusero. So for people in the UK, you know, British for British knife lines and English uh, prop. Um, but she's a sevens, U.S. sevens player. She was on last week. Uh, we're going to be having Bryce Campbell on. So captain of the United States, uh, he's coming on actually, I think, uh, next week on the 25th. So he'll just finish with the All Blacks and he's going to be joining us on the show. So that should be exciting. Uh, and then we always uh, have a show that releases on Thursday night and we cover all kinds of topics in North America, Rugby Canada, um, United States. Uh, we cover the PR7s. We obviously cover the United States. We cover the MLR. So uh, cover lots of things. And um, yeah, we're looking forward to 2022. It's going to be an interesting season, especially with Dallas added to the mix. And, you know, there's there's always talk about uh, the Midwest being a player in, in Major League Rugby. So uh, whenever we hear those rumors, we all, we all get, uh, um, uh, you know, um, excited and, and, and tingly all inside. So uh, we look forward to that. Um, but it's really good. So you can find us on all major outlets, uh, Apple, iTunes, um, Spotify, um, you know, Stitcher, all those things. And, and, um, we're of course at, uh, rugby rent pod, uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, you can get it through the MLR fan zone. Um, so we try to get ourselves out there as much as possible, uh, so that people can find out a little bit more about, uh, rugby in the United States. So there we go. That's the end of this week's episode of the breakdown podcast. I hope you have enjoyed as always, if you have, and you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit that subscribe button, leave a like on the video and get your thoughts in the comments down below. Massive thank you to Rob Hammerschmidt from the Rugby Rant podcast for his time and his knowledge on USA Rugby. The links to everything that they do will be down below. I urge you to go and check it out. It's certainly worth listening to and they are far more knowledgeable than I am on the subject. Thank you so much for watching. Don't forget if you've listened on Spotify to give us a review, follow the podcast and we'll see you very soon here on the Breakdown Podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.